I feel the Lord is walking through this room. And this morning, it's going to be a life-changing morning for you. You can mark this down, April 17th, 2021. I believe there's some people that will go, I've, I've been in this circles before, but nothing like this ever happened to me this, this day. It's something that will mark you. It's, a, it's going to be profound. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We give you glory, we give you honor. You deserve all of it. And all of who we are belongs to you, Jesus. Amen. Did you say hi to the person next to you this morning? Isn't the worship band amazing? You guys are amazing. Yeah. I just want to ask um, if we can you put on some just soaking music in the back the reason for that is have you ever heard people say truth is a bitter pill to swallow have you heard that before well that's why we play the background music it makes it a little bit easier to swallow that truth uh, it helps me and uh, I honestly I, I'm so um, it's an honor to be here this morning, Amu. Thank you for opening up your church. I know that I, I was invited by Gabriel, but I'm thankful for you. you know? um, yeah, and the Fire and Fragrance team, who's still here? Yeah. And on fire, people, for Jesus. Listen, if you ever go to Porch and you, and you have a day or two just to go spend time with them, I've been there um, a few weeks ago, and I spent a week with those people, and every time, after every worship session, after every sitting that they had, I would go up to Gabriel and i go, man, I think I need to get saved again. Like with these people, um, I don't know who it was, but one morning, uh, uh, man, I was in a conversation, and I was like, if they, if Whenever Gabe would ask me to say something, I would go, man, I have nothing to bring to the table. Like, I have absolutely, I feel I have nothing to bring to these people, but I can sit here all day and just listen to them talk about Jesus. And I'm telling you, if, if you go into that place, especially where they were uh, doing the DTS for the past three months, I'm telling you, if an unbeliever walks into that space, nobody has to tell him that Jesus is alive. You could literally feel it. That, it is amazing what the Lord is doing. But it's not because of Gabriel or anything else. It's biblical community, love, friendships. So I had a crazy dream about this morning, but I'm not going to share it now. First of all, um, let me know who went out last night and had encounters with people and got pe see people uh, get saved last night. Anyone else? No one. Didn't you go out on outreach last night? No one. So everyone just went home. You were here. And then after this? Didn't you see anyone on the way? Like nobody stopped for milk or cool drink or anything like that. Just home. It's crazy. Yeah, we wanted to stop, but Omu kept us busy up until late. Anyway, 
You know, the Bible says, as you go, preach. You can find that in Romans 10, 8. It says, as you go, preach. And then it says, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise it, and cast out demons. But it doesn't say, when you go to church, preach the gospel. It says, as you go, preach. There's in the going, there needs to be a preaching happening. So yesterday, we quickly went to, um, I needed to go to the shop to Woolworths to buy some non-alcoholic champagne for our friend that is getting married this afternoon. And we, yeah, we actually had a prayer and worship morning six o'clock this morning on the beach with him. And then we came to this place, which was amazing. And, um, and yeah, on that topic, I, I want to I wanna say this. How old is she now? She's now 30, 34, I think. She's 34. She's kept herself pure up until today. 34 years. 34 years of nothing, just purity and Jesus for 34 years. And then, uh, and we've been praying for, we pray for a lot of our friends. And, and then Jesus just brought this amazing husband that we got to meet this morning. <laughs> and um, I've met some of my, my clo- some of my closest friends I've met at their wedding. And, um, but yeah, we got to meet him this morning and it's so God sent. But there's such a, you know, we've been crying and weeping with her just in the waiting. And, uh, and then you see the reward and you go, dang, I, I'll wait, you know. It's like, for, honey, could you stand up and just show everybody how beautiful you are, please? Thank you, that's my wife. She is handpicked by God. Let me tell you this. I waited four and a half years and I was at, literally, I'm going to be so vulnerable today. I was literally at a point where I sat down in my, in my living room and I went onto Google. I'm like, where can men, men, where can men be castrated in South Africa? Because I'm going to do that and just live for Jesus for the rest of my life. Literally, that was, I was in that point. I was going through it. I'm like, Lord, yeah, just leave the woman i just want to run for jesus and then this one walked into my life yes but uh and then we became close friends i actually i was in a space that for long i didn't want to get in relation into relationships but i wanted to but i didn't want to and just want to preach the gospel and i couldn't find anyone that's you know that's like me crazy and praying for people and just it takes us about two hours just to get milk because <laughs> We're praying, we, we want to take the parking, because sometimes we argue, Nadia says, Lord, we thank you for the best parking space right in front of the door. And I go, Lord, I thank you. I'm sowing that parking space with someone that can walk that well, parking at the furthest place from the, and then we get into a small argument. I'm like, Jesus, I want to give that to some elderly lady. But then Nadia, one day, we were still friends. She said, listen, you need to, like, is there someone in your life? Or, you know, and I said, no, no this and that and the other thing. And she said, you know, Maserati's not always on the floor. Gotta, if you want that Maserati, you've got to take it off the floor. And, uh, and I thought, dang, that's a good saying. And then we were on vacation. I was in Cape Town for a funeral, and she was there on vacation, and I, we met up almost every day. And then there was this one guy that started flirting with her, and I thought, man, that Maserati's going to be taken. If I don't take that Maserati now... And I started praying into this. And I said, Lord, what do you think about this one? And he said, she's a rare jewel in my crown. I said, I'll take it. I like rare stuff. And that night I told her I like her. And then two weeks later, we went to our place in Uppington, just to make sure. 
and I felt like, you know, this, this might be the, the woman that I'm going to get married to, but, and then we went, I told her mom, if she can come with me to Uppington, I'll personally bring her back home to Johannesburg, and we, when I went to drop her off the day before we left, we were sitting in a restaurant, and a guy came up to me, he said, listen, there's a ring at my house that is not mine, but I felt the Lord say, if you want to get married to that lady, I need to give you that ring. And then if you ladies like rings, we literally got a ring with 21 baguettes in it and 13 diamonds worth something between 50,000 and 90,000 rand given to us. And, um, and today I look at my wife and I go, dang, there's many other people that, that would work for me, but no one else would fit. Yeah. So it, there's a saying, it's better to wait long than marry wrong. So... I'm not going to talk about marriage this morning, but I wanted to tell you that. So, uh, yeah. So there, there was a moment recently that um, that we were in Potchefstroom for Gabe's 30th birth, birthday and uh, and also a baby celebration. And I told my wife, my wife is a quality person. Time, if I tell her we're going on a date, she'll leave everything and just. But then that's not so much of a like. If you give me 10 minutes, I'm good. Even in prayer, sometimes I pray 15 minutes, Lord, I thank you. It's so amazing to be with you, Jesus. It's, I've got to go do something. You know? it, takes, it takes a lot for me to stay in that place. But um, Nadia is such a quality person, time, a quality time person. And um, we went to Porsche, and I'm like, I'm booking in, in a nice guest house. We're going to stay there, and we're going to spend some time together. And we, we are excited about this. So the Friday night we came there, I didn't know what to do with myself because there was just nothing else to do, just me and Nadia in one room. So, uh, and then the next morning, it's Gabe's birthday. We went for the birthday, and then I found out Gabe's preaching on Sunday. And I'm so excited. We can go to church Sunday morning, and Sunday morning, wake up, honey, we're going to go to church. She says, no, you said we're going to spend time. I said, yes, we can spend time on our way to church. And then just our friends preaching the gospel. She's, and she starts crying. She says, no, you said we're spending time. And now you want to go to church. I'm tired. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do ministry. I just want to spend time with you. And I'm like... But, but, you know, this is our life. We, we want to go to church. We love church. We love Jesus. We, we want to support our friends. What if our friends come to Uppington and I preach in a church, which never happens in Uppington, then, um, then I would love my friends to come and support me in that church. And she's, like, and she's crying. And she sits in front of me and I'm sitting in that chair and she sits in, fr- in front of me and she's going... I want to spend time with, we never get to spend time. And, and the Lord speaks to me in that moment. And she's weeping. The Lord said, uh, if your wife is so excited to spend time with you, how excited do you think I am to spend time with you? And in that moment, I realized how many times I've told the Lord, tomorrow morning I'm praying four hours and something happens. And I'd rather take that meeting instead of go praying because, you know, God will understand and he's patiently waiting for you to come into that place of spending time with him. How many times in this room you've planned on just tomorrow morning, four o'clock, I'm getting up, I'm just going to release heaven in this place. And then four o'clock comes, the alarm goes off and you go, ah, I only need to get up at six, I'll just sleep in a little bit. The Lord will understand. But then God on the other side is desperately waiting to spend quiet time and quality time with us and that's the beauty of marriage is the reflection of what you see here is exactly what Jesus wants with us. Ephesians 5, the Bible speaks on marriage and then it ends off by 
God actually saying, hey, this is relationship between what husband and wife is, is the relationship between man and God. Now, I don't know if you've realized that, but not many people know Jesus. They know about him, but they don't know him. Uh, they, don't know, they don't know him. And um, you and I in the earth, thank you, we're a connection between heaven and earth for someone else. You are walking on the earth with Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that hope wants to come out of you and give someone else hope. And you are literally the connection between heaven and earth for someone else. When you're standing in front of people, you are that connection. I don't know if you realize how powerful that is, if you would just snap that thing. Because there's people, a friend of mine said, he's an evangelist. I'm sorry, I just want to say this. I'm an evangelist. And what evangelists do is they come, they step on toes, and then they leave all the mess with the pastor. Like, I'm leaving today. And then Amu has to clean up all the stuff that I come. But Daniel Kalinda put it this way. He said, the job of the evangelist is to disturb the comfort. And the job of the pastor is to comfort the disturbed. So I'm just going <laughs> to disturb some of you guys. So if I disturb you, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You need to know that you're a connection between heaven and earth today for someone else. And I have a friend, evangelist, he said, Many people go to hell because they wanted to give their life to Jesus someday. And that's a good thing, if you know it. Because we assume that people know about Jesus. I'm going to probably tell a lot of stories today, but it will all make sense in the end, okay? I remember one day I was uh, going to Bloemfontein to go minister there, and on our way in, I felt the Lord say I need to go to a pub that evening. And I know that there's this one street in Bloemfontein called Second Avenue, I think it's name, and there's pubs on the left and right, just pubs all over. And I knew that in my prior, before Christ days, that would be the place that I would literally go pub crawling, like one in, one out, one in, one out, one in. We ended up in a hospital because one of my friends got stabbed one evening and then I ended up at a tattoo place getting a tongue ring. That's like how my life was. Like, I have some money left. What, 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 I have like 400 rand. What can you do with it? Can I get a tongue ring? Yeah, let's go do that. 400 rand. It's literally what, what my life looked like before Jesus. To the that was to glorify not Jesus, something else. And um, anyway, I went in, and I'm on my way to go minister then. I felt the Lord say, go to this pub. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, no, 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 no. I don't want to go, don't want to go. Like, I don't want to be near or close any pub or club or thing. That's not, I don't, I don't, that's, it was my life. I don't want to go. And I know how these people are. But I really felt the Lord say. So we went quickly to the guest house, got dressed, like I got dressed real nice, like I'm going to go out tonight. And we were driving up 2nd Avenue, 2nd Avenue, looking at the club, and, 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 and I'm uh, calling out the names of the club so I can hear the name and feel if there's any peace on anything. And then there was just around the corner, there was a club called um, uh, something, Boer, Afri Boer, or something, or something <laughs> with Boer, something to do with Boer. So I thought uh, that sounds a little bit Afrikaans for me. Mystic Boer, that's what it is, yeah. I'm like, Mystic Boo, that sounds Afrikaans. Maybe I can go in there and just, you know, do the Afrikaans gospel thing. So I got in, 
And the people were literally sitting outside with habili pipes, oka pipes, and they're smoking oka pipes and their long hair, and you could smell the weed. And I'm like, man, this would, would have been the place that I would have been in when I, when I wasn't born again. Like, we had the habili pipes with habili and weed, and then we'd, we'd throw milk and vodka on the, on the, so that you can have, like, the whole experience. <laughs> yeah. I had that whole thing. But I'm in that place, and I went to the bar, and, and the guy said, hey, what can I get you? I said, uh, I would love to have a gospel beer, please. He said, a gospel beer? I said, yes, a Coke, please. And he looked at me, <laughs> and I gave, him the, I gave him the 20 rand, and he wanted to give me the change, and I said, no, man, bless you with the change. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I so love you today. I want to give you the change. And he said, and he's like, thank you, man. And, and I go out with my gospel beer, and I'm in, on the inside, I'm looking at these young girls just parting their life away. Like they were dancing and having a good time, according to them. And I'm looking into the eyes of these people, and they are dead. There's no life in that place. Dead. And my heart breaks for these people, but I knew in the moment that even though I'm here, it wasn't for them. There was something specific that the Lord wanted to do. So now I'm thinking of the crazy stuff. Should I get on a table? Should I plug out the music? Should I get a microphone? What should I do? But, uh, but I'm here and I'm drinking. And my friend that's with me he is so uncomfortable. Like he's one of those introvert people. Don't take me anywhere. Just I want to do the admin for the ministry and nothing else. And I'm standing there. You know, and, I, and I thought, no, I need to get some fresh air. Now in that place, Mystic Boo, there's like a um, little courtyard on the outside. So I went out and I'm just standing there with my Coke. And I had like two sips and I thought, now I'm in the wrong place. I need to go. And I literally turned around and, and the Lord said, go pray for the guy in the corner. And I looked, I turned around and looked at the corner and there's one guy sitting there drawing. He's in a, in a book drawing with a, with a pencil. And I go, hey man. And he looks up and he says, hey. I said, hey, I just want to tell you today that Jesus loves you so much. He says, oh, I don't believe in Jesus, man. I said, man, you are the one. You are the one. He's like, I'm the one. I said, yeah, Jesus told me to come to this place tonight. And I believe it's for you, man. I said, man, I don't believe in Jesus. I said, man, you're the one. You're the one I need to pray for, man. Is there anything? I said, I don't believe in your effing Jesus. Man, Jesus believes in you, man. He loves you so much. <laughs> yeah. And I'm standing there. And my friend is now, you know, he's it's like... That's how my wife feels sometimes. Like, just leave the people. I go, no, I love this. Like, I was literally one time in, in Woolworths. I was standing there, and I said, hey, ma'am, there's something wrong with your back behind the, the counter. And she said, yes, I prayed for her, and she got healed. So I was weeping, and there's a guy now in COVID, social distancing from here to there, to the door. And he goes, hey, can you just speed up the fast lane? This is the bloody fast lane. I said, man, Jesus just healed her back. I'm going to come pray for you now. He said, no, I don't need your prayer. He said, okay, then bring your food. I'll pay for your food then. And then he went quiet. He said, no, 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 no. I said, and I'm screaming because he screamed at, like he yelled at me. <laughs> like, so I held back. So, and then everybody was looking. What the heck's happening at the end? I man, I'll pay for your food, man. God so loves you. He'll pay for your food anytime. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's good, it's good. And he's, he, you know, he didn't want to look. So... I don't know if you saw that hoodie of mine last night that says gratitude in front, then King Jesus at the back. That was actually just a mistake. We wanted just gratitude at the front, and then the guy made a mistake and put King Jesus at the back. Now we love it, because I feel like if you don't want to talk to me and I turn around, you still have to see King Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
So that's a, that's a good thing. And it's big, so you've got to read King G Like, you need to turn away if you don't want to see it. Like, well, hey, I just want to pay this. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, anyway, so I'm standing there. I'm like, Lord, he, uh, man, Jesus loves you, believes in you, and this and that. And he said, you know what? I grew up in a Christian home, and my different parents, and it's just swearing and cussing. But you know, Jesus, God is not going to Jesus. Hey, close your ears. He's cussing, he's cussing. God, Jesus, in, in, he knows everything. But it's not good for you as a Christian to use that word. You know, in Colossians 3.8, the Bible says that every um, dirty word or every foul word it shouldn't be in your mouth. Every cuss word shouldn't be in your mouth. And I always tell people, if it's not supposed, if, if you wouldn't hear it out of God's mouth, it's not supposed to be in yours. But with an unbeliever, they don't know better. They can go on cussing for a moment and, and there'll come a time in your conversation where they'll cuss and they'll go, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it wasn't even you. Like they'll just... And that's what happened to Peter when him and Jesus met. Like Peter said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. They didn't even know who Jesus was at that time. But they recognized the holiness. That's why when you come amongst people that don't know Jesus, the moment you speak the name, they get uncomfortable. Why? Because they recognize the holiness but they don't know what to do with their sin. So they want to they wanna find their way out. And in Afrikaans, people, um, they, uh, they use the, the name of the Lord in vain many times. It's like a, it's a culture thing in Afrikaans. Like they will say, Yara, you know, so when something happens. And I need to be very cautious when I, when I walk in shops. Because I'll stand in a shop and I see a price of something and I go, Yeah, Yara, it is the beer. Because I'm having conversation with the Lord. But someone else can pass me and go, Oh. We better pray for this guy, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I love listening to conversations as I walk in shopping centers because you'll hear someone using the, the name of the Lord in vain and I'll just interrupt. Hey, you, just call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray. <laughs> and I love doing that because, you know, I gave my life away a long time ago. I have nothing to lose. Like, if you give your life to Jesus, you give it away. You have nothing to lose. Like, there is no place for the fear of man. It's the only fear of God. And you get crazy people. They don't want nothing to do. They literally had a friend, uh, not a friend. I was walking out of the mall one time. There was a guy coming in on a wheelchair. And I said, hey, man, what's wrong with you? And he stopped the wheelchair in the door. And he starts sharing his heart on what happened with his leg. And I prayed for him, prayed for him. Nothing happened. And on my way out, I saw a guy limping like this, but walking like this, an elderly person. And I said, hey, Wim, there's something wrong with your lower back. He said, I know there's something wrong with my lower back. I saw you pray for people. You know, the Bible warns us against you false prophets praying on the street corners for people. And I go, whoa. Man, I love Jesus. I just want to see people get healed. Yeah. And he starts cussing. Now, get in your effing car and go. And I'm just going, Lord, I, uh, Uncle, just I want to pray for you. And he keeps walking with a limb. And I go, and your left leg is shorter than the other one. He said, I know my left leg is shorter than the other one. I said, let me pray for you. Jesus is going to grow it back and your back's going to be healed. No, F off. I am in the church. I'm a deacon. I go, woo. And when I get to my car, his car was parked next to mine. And then his wife was standing in the back, and he's cussing all the way. And his wife's just standing here, a sweet little lady standing there. And I go, I go, ma'am, Jesus loves you so much, and he loves your husband so much. Thank you, son, she said. And this guy says, hey, throw a car. Just get in the car. And then he opens the door, and I get in my car, and I open up my door, and I shout, 
In the name of Jesus, back be healed. And he shuts the door and he goes up. And I, and I thought to myself, man, this is so funny. And then I started crying. You know what the Bible says? It says, if they reject you, they reject me. And I thought, man, he just literally rejected Jesus because of rejecting what Jesus wanted to bring. And I started weeping and praying for this uncle. Anyway, standing in that bar that night in the sky is there and he's going on about his parents that was Christian, grew up Christian, but, you know, just grew up Christian-y and his life fell apart. So he wanted to commit suicide. Had a rope around his neck, jumped off the balcony and then the rope broke. And then he fell and then he broke discs in his back. Like, and that's why he's at the bar using drugs, drinking pills, and then mixing it with alcohol, and the pain goes away. So after a long conversation, and he told me that, I'm like, man, you know what to do? If you don't know how to explain Jesus, let Jesus explain himself to people. But he wants to do it through you. And you can just do nothing and just say, okay, man, I, I, I don't know how to explain Jesus, but I, I would love you to just experience him, and then you tell me what you think about him. Sometimes there's no pain, there's no sickness, there's no diseases, but the Bible says God is an all-consuming fire. So if you don't know that, that all-consuming fire wants to touch people. It wants to land on people. And if you would just go, you know, the Bible says, it's an, I was in a school once and there, a 15-year-old boy ran up to me and he said, I've listened to everything that you said and I just want to tell you I don't believe a word. I said, really? He said, yes. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe he's real. I said, okay, cool, come sit down and then we'll have a chat. And he sat down, and the moment he sat down, I said, oh, man, you have a lot of faith. He said, no, I don't. I said, well, you sat down on the chair before checking out if the thing wouldn't, like, break underneath you. Like, you believed in a chair, and it's dead. And he said, yeah, but that's different. I said, no, man, you sat down, and you believed that the chair would hold you. And then he said, I don't know how to explain Jesus. But close your eyes, and I'll pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. You're an all-consuming fire set his chest ablaze. And when I said that, the boy went like this. <laughs> and he looked at me as if I'm an angel. And he was like, <laughs> and I sat there, I'm like. <laughs> and then the next evening, we had another meeting at the same school. He brings six of his atheist friends from different other schools. Everybody gets saved. All of them. And he passes through everyone. He comes, this guy needs to pray for you. And then I say, and there's talk, like, I'm not one of the tallest kids, you know, on the block. And there's tall kids come. And I go, Father, in Jesus' name, bam, to the floor. Atheists, boys, come. They meet Jesus. Just because there's one guy, me, believing the word of God and just actually putting it to, to action. You know, the Lord told me once, if you want to see, the Holy Spirit said, if you want to see what Jesus saw, you've got to do what Jesus did. There's something in James 1, where it says, do not be the hearer of, a, of the word, but be a doer of the word. Because someone who hears the word but does not do the word is like someone who looks themselves into, into a mirror, turns around and forgot exactly what they look like. Meaning, dude, you're hearing the word, you're not doing the word, you don't know who you are. There's no identity in you. You just hear it, go to church, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but then nothing. So when that guy said his back pains, I said, dude, let me pray for you. He said, I don't believe in you. I said, listen, let me pray for you. And if your back doesn't get healed, Jesus is dead. 
But if he does get healed, he's alive. And I had to step out in that kind of place. That doesn't normally happen. Because sometimes you'll go, oh gosh, Jesus, you better back me in this one. <laughs> but let me tell you this. There's nothing in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, nothing else that moves the heart of God more than someone who believes. Nothing. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. If you look at centurion that comes to Jesus, my servant needs healing, and Jesus says, great, let go. And the centurion says, no, Lord, but you can just speak the word. And then Jesus says, the Bible says, He marveled. And He said, not even in Israel I found such great faith. It wasn't a follower of Jesus, just a man of faith. And Jesus acknowledged the faith, and the faith healed the servant. You see the woman with the flow of blood, 12 years, breaking almost 13 Jewish laws just to touch Jesus because he's passing by. Touch Jesus, and what does he say? He stops. Why? Power left me. And he asked the disciples, who touched me? And they go, bro, everybody's touching you because the Bible says that she pressed through the crowds. There was a crowd around Jesus. They were on their way to go heal a little girl. And then she pressed through the crowds and touched him. And power left him. And he stopped. And when I read that scripture, the Holy Spirit said, Son, every time you touch me in faith, I'll stop with everything that I'm busy with. Respond with power and give you all my attention. Because what happened at that moment, there was a crowd touching Jesus and pressing Jesus, the famous Jesus is coming through town. And then one woman with a sickness of 12 years touches him and power leaves him because she came in faith, touched him in faith. Power leaves him. He stops, turns around and looks at her. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, many people have the word, meaning your Bible, in the house. They touch it. They read it with no faith. They read it, but they don't believe what they are reading. That's why there is no response of power in their life. It's just a, yeah, I need to read my three scriptures. Maybe I'll open up my Joyce Meyer daily scripture today. Yeah. No power, because no faith. So I said, man, let me pray for you, and I prayed for him. Jesus, I thank you for this man. Thank you that you love him. I thank you that you heal his back right now. In Jesus' mighty name, all this come in line with the word of God. And that all-consuming fire to come and touch him and fill him. And you can literally see this guy going like this at the bar table. And then he looks up and I say, test it. And he turns like this. And he turns like this. And then he looked at me. He said, what's your name? <laughs> now there's music going in that musty boor. And I had to scream the whole thing. And I said, Picard. Now, Picard's not an easy name. He said, Picard. <laughs> I'm like, no, Picard. He said, Peter, I'm going to tell everyone about you. <laughs> said, no, don't tell everyone about me. Tell them about Jesus. And then I gave him some money to just buy him a gospel beer or something. And then um, we went home. But you need to realize that if you're not going to step out in what you feel, I mean, God's probably never going to touch anyone through you because you're just going to be that Christian looking from the side. You can either be a fan or a follower. You can be a fan and clap your hands and all that stuff or you can be a follower and lay down your life and follow Jesus. <clears throat> so let me ask you. Yeah, give Jesus a clap. 
So I'll ask you a question quickly, and I'm just going to test this out because I feel this now. Is there someone here that, uh, that was born the 14th of March and turned 21 this year in this room? Turning? Right. Stand up, please. It's close enough. So I saw, uh, in worship, I saw the 14th of March, but 15th is, is close enough. We love it. Thank you, Jesus. And, um, and what I saw, like last night, I had a crazy encounter when I prayed for you back there. A crazy encounter. And I already told you what it was. But this morning I saw the Lord. I don't know if you've ever seen... Um, you might know there's a dream dictionary. I don't know what the woman's name, I forgot her name. It's, it's a red dictionary with a key on it. Uh, but anyway, do you know that old golden keys, the big ones with a, like a bowl on the back with kiss and kiss and all that stuff? You know that keys? I saw the Lord gave a key that's going to unlock a big massive door that you have to like push like a big door, and when you open it up, it's a library on the inside from the bottom to the top, like massive. I feel like there's a knowledge in the revelation of Christ that God wants to open up for you, but He's giving you the keys. And the Bible says the keys of the kingdom is yours. You have the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you unlock in heaven is unlocked on earth. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I felt the Lord giving that key for this season that is, that is, you might have been standing in front of this door for a while and go, well, how does it open? But then this key just comes in and goes, you just push it open. It's a big door. And then just this knowledge of who he is on the inside. Massive, like, it's going to take you years and years to go through that. But it has to start somewhere. So, yeah, Father, we just thank you for that key and releasing that key uh, for revelation knowledge of who you are, Jesus. We love you, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, yeah, um, Jesus is amazing. This one time we went to a school in Benoni, and I would never forget that day. It was a school in Benoni, and we were standing in line. I was uh, invited by people, so I was in the back of the, the bucky, and um, I sat in the back, and we were waiting to get a parking space and next to me there was a lady with an open window and as the window was open I thought to myself man uh, the window is open I might as well just tell her that Jesus loves her as we're waiting you know and I love places like that when we're standing somewhere and she couldn't go anywhere and I couldn't go anywhere and then I love that that's amazing that just kicks the fear of man out of you because you have to stare until the awkwardness is away when I, came to, uh, when I came to South Africa from America, I got in a plane this one time. I'll get back to that story. I got in a plane this one time, and I had a T-shirt on that says, Ask me about Jesus, and we have a layover in Dubai. And then all of that Muslim people that walks with their clothes like this now have to walk like this as well. Because my shirt's like, Ask me about Jesus, and everyone that looks, I go, Hey, man, Jesus loves you, bro. Because I'm in the airport. I'm kind of safe there to share the gospel in that place. But I got a seat way in the back by the toilet. That's a small space, like you have to squeeze in. And I had just come from the School of Evangelism uh, in Orlando, Florida, with Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalena and all that people. And now I was, like, I loved Jesus before that. I was already two years born again, and I saw people getting healed and this and that. And then Someone that is now my, uh, a spiritual father of mine, he was one of the speakers there. And that guy literally came in before he came up on stage. 
Daniel Kalenda said, hey, the next person coming up is Scott Lee, and when he comes up, you better have sin. If you have sin in your life, you better get that sin out, otherwise Scott's going to call it out. That's how they introduced him. And I thought, yeah, Jesus, please help me if there's anything. And then Scott came in, and he's like, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this place in the Spirit, and he starts calling out names. Like, hey, hey, I see this, and then this guy pops up. And then he goes, yeah, and I see an address, and this guy. And then he says, yeah, I see a telephone number. Can we just call them? And he calls a telephone number. Then it's one of the workers that works at Christ for All Nation, his daughter. And then he said, your husband's name is this, and you have two kids, this and this. And like crazy words of knowledge just popping up. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, really, Jesus, if I have any sin in my life, you've got to help me. <laughs> Because now it gets crazy weird. And I was, the fear of the Lord was so me because I've never seen anything like it. And people come to me and they say, do you know Sean Balls? I'm like, I don't know Sean Balls. I don't know anything. I'm from South Africa. I know Angus Bakken. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, these people are crazy. And um, he's just calling out this crazy words of knowledge. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, he leaves the room. I'm standing there. Everyone, I'm, everyone's leaving. I'm just standing there. I'm going, what the heck? And this one guy, he, call, he, he goes, he's telling the story, and he goes, Ramos. And this guy, one guy just lifts up his hand. Yeah. And then he says, Vivian. And he goes, yeah. And he says, who's Vivian Ramos? He said, he said it's my girlfriend. He's, and then Scott said, yeah. She's currently at a coffee shop named this with two of her friends, this and this, and God's saying that's your wife. Dude got wrecked, and I go, Jesus, I need a wife, I need a wife. <laughs> so it was so crazy for me, and then just a few hours later, there was a guy coming up, uh, Brian Gearin. Some of you guys might know who I'm speaking about, but Brian Gearin is one of those guys, he has one hour to preach the gospel, and for 30 minutes he'll go, Hey, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And then you go, whoo, something just shifted. Jesus. And then people start falling out of their chairs. And diamonds manifest and all that stuff. So Brian's there and he's just telling stories and Jesus. And, and Brian is one of those people. I don't know if you've ever heard about Brian Guerin, but he's this tall guy, you know, a good looking guy and deep voice. And he's like very good looking. So I was just sitting there and I'm looking at him and I go, you know, I'm, I'm in it to get married one day, but if, if man, this guy's handsome, you know? It's like I looked at him, and I, it was Jesus all over him. I couldn't believe that, some, that a guy can look that amazing, just him, and it's just like, Jesus. Just, people, uh, Diamond would manifest and go, ooh, look, and he goes, yeah, that's a real gem. Bless you, keep it. He's like one of those guys. If a diamond would manifest here tonight, I'll probably go crazy. Honey, we got something for that ring, <laughs> you know? But um, anyway, he's on, and there's one that he goes, whoo, look! And he goes, yeah, gold dust, that's amazing. And then there's another one here, look! And I go, what the heck? And there's gold dust on my hands. And I look up and there's a mist filling the room with no smoke machines or anything, just a mist filling the room. And I'm, I'm, and that's in God TV, the studio of God TV. And I go, oh, no, this must be God. This is, it's a TV studio, it's mist. And I go, and all of a sudden the weight just gets heavier and heavier. And I'm sitting there and I go, what the heck's happening? Because I've never seen anything like it. I'm getting on a plane back and I'm squeezed between two people a Muslim guy on my right and some lady on my left. And I go, hey, 
where are you from? She says, I'm from India, and I'm going back to South Africa, and I go, I want to talk to this guy, and he's already asleep, and I go, yeah, he needs to go to the bathroom soon, and then I'll just chat to him, it's an eight-hour flight. <laughs> but this lady's from India, and she's going to South Africa, and I ask, what are you doing in India? And she said, well, I'm a Buddhist teacher, and I go, oh, wow. So what's Buddha like? She says, well, we teach how to renew your mind. And this, I said, yeah, I understand. We teach the same thing. But I just want to know what, what Buddha is like. Like, if, if that's your God, what's he like? And she's like, well, we actually, and I said, no, I just want to know what Buddha is like. Because, you know, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And I can tell you what Jesus is like. But I don't know. You know, tell me about your God. And she gets angry. Like, I don't want to, you're not going to evangelize to me today. Oh, honey, I'm going to evangelize to you today. <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about Jesus because what I just saw was gold dust manifesting on my hands and glory clouds in a place. I've seen people get called out by name and ID number and street addresses that people know nothing about them. Don't tell me Jesus isn't real. And she puts in her earphones and she's like, so angry. And I turn around to my Muslim friend on this side, he's still sleeping. We didn't even lift off yet. <laughs> I think he knew. But I thought. But I thought, she's going to go to the bathroom before me and she's going to wake him up and then I'm going to chat to him. Anyway, so she goes through the movies on the screen and she's just scrolling that thing like she's so angry. And I pull out the Bible and I start reading my Bible and she's scrolling and then this, you know how fast a screen like that can scroll and it's going and then it slows down where this movie um, Hacksaw Ridge comes up and it slows down and I go, oh, that's a good movie. And she, and she takes out the earphone. She said, have you seen it? I said, man, like four times. It's amazing. But I didn't say what it's about. She said, it's amazing. It's just a little bit, you know, there's a lot of kidding and stuff going on. Like, so the graphics are just crazy. But you'll love it. It's a great story in the end. It's true. It's a true story as well. Oh, yeah, I like true stories. Watches that movie. Sometime, and it's a long movie. Sometime in the middle, she gets up, goes to the bathroom, wakes up my Indian friend on this side. Hey man, Jesus loves you, bro. Yeah, it's not chatting to him. We have an awesome conversation on the plane, and then eventually I fell asleep. But uh, when we landed in South Africa, on our way out, I get a tap on my shoulder on this side. It's the lady. She's like, "Hey, that was such a great movie." I said, "Yeah, bless you, man. Jesus loves you. Yeah, it was such a great, like, it's a great story." I said, "Yeah, bless you. Just be safe." You know, know that God loves you. And we got off the plane, and just before there's a split, like South Africans can come in, and then um, uh, foreigners go on the other side. And um, before we went into that split, I get a tap on my shoulder again. It was my Muslim friend. He said, hey, I just want to know, before you go, can you pray for me, please? I said, sure, man, I'll pray for you. And I prayed for him. But uh, I love awkward positions like those where you are stuck between two people they can go nowhere and you can go nowhere they have to listen like if they don't want to listen that's okay but you have to tell them because imagine i'm sitting there with a cure for cancer in my pocket and the two people next to me are dying from cancer i'm just going i'm so ashamed to share this so i don't want anyone to know that i have the cure maybe they'll kill me for the cure Maybe they'll kill you for Jesus and for following Jesus, but hey, you have the cure for sin. 
And the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 2, that sin separates us from God, and that's why He can't hear us. So if there's sin in your life, there's a separation in your life. That's why Jesus came. So Jesus can separate you from sin. Psalms 103, 3, uh, 12 says that God separates us from the sin, from our sins as far as the east is from the west. You are separated from that thing, meaning you have no part in sin anymore. And the same goes to Romans 6, 14, where it says the power of the cross has um, crushed sin, but it says that sin no longer has dominion over you, meaning you can say no. Now you say, oh, well, well I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yes, you were a sinner saved by grace. Now you are a son walking and living by the grace of God. The Bible says that by the grace of God, we are that we are. We are now sons and daughters walking by the grace of God. Are we going to mess up? Yes, we are. But we're not living the sin life anymore. Like, if, if you were a drunkard and you stopped drinking, you're not a drunkard anymore. So if you were a sinner and you stopped sinning, you're not a sinner anymore. You're a son, right? And do we sin? Yes, we do. But we have Jesus. I want to read something to you in um, John. As people say, oh, he's not preaching the Bible, he's telling stories. So let me read something. <laughs> Listen, and, story. and then I'll tell another story, yeah, because I have a story to tell, yeah. So... Listen to this one thing. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 6, it says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. For years, I would mess up in my Christian life. And I would think, I don't know God, because the Bible says, Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. And then I would think, man, I don't know Jesus, because I'm still in sin. I'm still sinning. I'm living a sinful life. But I forgot to read the first part that says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Your sinless life starts with abiding in Christ because he who abides in the vine bears much fruit it's in the abiding with him and in him where the desire for sin dies There's, we don't wake up oh I'm going to sin when you're in the world you wake up like that oh shucks it's Monday the only, way, the only time the people in the world pray is I just pray for Friday so we can get drunk again they wake up to sin can't wait to see my girlfriend this weekend. Oh, we're going to have a lack of time. And then boyfriend and girlfriend, which was supposed to sleep together, would sleep together. It's a normal thing. It's a sinful thing. Now you get born again. And now all of a sudden, the, the desire is not there to sin anymore. Because why? We abide in Him. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him or know Him. So there's a place of abiding to stay out of the place of willful sin. And I've come to know that as I meet older people in the Lord that's been walking with the Lord for 20, 30, 40 years, you don't see them sin anymore. There's just no, when they mess up, it's, it's a, just a complete mistake. It's just a mistake. They didn't even know about it. They just, they are so tender to the voice of God and abiding in Him and spending time with Jesus in word and prayer and worship that whenever there is a mess up, the Bible says, if you mess up, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So there's a place of if you sin, then Jesus is an advocate for you, standing in your place, praying for you, and on your, in your place, standing before the Father. But it says if you sin. It doesn't say when you sin. When is a, is a planned thing. When I'm done here, I'm going to go back to the house because i got to get dressed because I have a wedding. But if I go back means I don't know when I'm going to be done. I don't know when. I'm, there's something. There's an if. 
So in your life, I don't know why I'm on this topic. I, I believe it's a dream that I had, but I'm just going to stay here for a moment. We cannot be a co-worker with Christ and still live in sin. You cannot be someone walking in power, signs, wonders, and miracles, and still sleep with your girlfriend. Because the Bible says in Romans 11, 29, that the, the gifts of God come without repentance. Meaning, you can live in total, the deepest, darkest sin and still flow in signs, wonders, miracles. You know why? Because God loves the person in front of you. Like, you've got to know that. We've got to be a Jesus people that's walking around with pure hearts and clean hands. People that the Bible actually says in Corinthians that in that day that no one can point a finger to you. There will come a day where you stand in front of God. There should be no finger pointing on that day. You need to be blameless. And that can only happen through the blood of Jesus. But you've got to live in a place of abiding in Christ to live out of a place where sin is reigning. The Bible says whoever, whatever you, um, uh, whatever you're a slave to, you're a, you're a, uh, whatever you're a slave to, whatever you're obedient to, you're a slave to. So if you're obedient to the voice of the devil or the advocate, you're a slave to sin. And we sing that song, we're no longer a slave to fear. And yet we see so many people fear, but you've got to be in a place of no longer a slave to sin as well. No longer a slave to poverty as well. We see poverty mindset in the church, which is not supposed to be there. You've got to know that your Father in heaven has streets of gold. You've got to know that God has the best for you. Do we see it all the time? No, we don't. But you've got to know that He has the best for you. You've got to believe it. Something needs to shift, but you need to have in your heart. And this is the reason why I share this. I had a dream in the beginning of the week where I woke up and I told my wife, I said I had a craziest dream. We were standing in a building praying to send these people on this weekend out for outreaches. And those people were praying. They had Bibles praying and while they were praying and reading Bible they were smoking a cigarette and I knew that God said there's sin in their lives that they are not even aware of and if they are they don't want to they don't want to put it aside they want to lay it down because a, a, a hyper grace has come into their life where they think they already set free Jesus already paid the price and they are okay to still live in that thing and God will have grace on you if you have been struggling but only up until a point because he will be speaking to you many, many times and he'll still love you and you'll still make it to heaven by the grace of God but it's just going to move you and raise someone else to do your job. So I really felt like there's something in this room today that people know that I'm walking in the miracles, I'm hearing prophetic words, I'm worshipping Jesus, I'm spending time in the Bible but I have this one thing that when the door closes nobody else knows about. And Jesus wants to heal that thing today. There's this one thing that you need to lay down, that you take into the secret place, that, what, that secret place that was meant for Him, you're defiling with what you want to do for you. You need to give the secret place back to Jesus. It belongs to Him. That when that door closes and nobody sees, it's still Jesus. He's still the one that captivates your heart. He's still the one that you're gazing upon. That when you taste this, that's Jesus. You're awake? Yeah. So when you, taste that, when you taste and see that God is good, everything else will become tasteless. There needs to be a place where everything else in this world is so tasteless that you only want to taste and see that God's good. And you need to come into that place of abiding in Him so that sin no longer reigns in your life. And you can say no to sin. You've got... Hey, 
There we go. You've got to wake up every morning going, I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God. Romans 12, 1, I'm a sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, fire, fall on me, consume me, and let this smell go up to heaven and please God. I'm a living sacrifice. I won't conform to this pattern of this world, but I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Today, my mind is renewed. Today, I love everyone and everybody loves me. I'm not rejected. I am accepted. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I don't like sin. I hate it with everything inside of me. People are going to hell, Lord. Help me to help them to see you and meet you. Then my prayer is, uh, most of the time, Lord, when I walk into a room, may they meet you before they meet me. In Jesus' name. I, Father, I thank you. And then you confess that. Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the high priest of your confession. So if you confess with what's in line with heaven, that needs to manifest in your life. Isaiah 55, 11 says that whatever word you send out will accomplish what you send it out for and it will not return void. You need to speak. Praise God. <laughs> you need to speak that thing and get that sin out. I just want to, in that place as well, say, I want to open up the altar now. So whenever, we feel, whenever you feel a conviction to come to Jesus and just lay it down, or whatever that thing is, you're so welcome to just come lay it down, even while I'm preaching. I just want to open that up. Um, don't wait for the end if you feel it's now. So there's that thing that I found the Lord say. To go out and be a representative of the gospel for who Jesus is. If you don't see it in the life of Jesus, it's not supposed to be in your life. You need to say no to that thing. If it's pornography, say no to it, man. Let me tell you, in America, on a yearly basis, a minimum of 2 million women and children are getting stolen and sold for sex slaves. In South Africa, there's men leaving the country to go sleep with four-year-old girls in Thailand and paying for it. Every time you open up that telephone and watch pornography, you're helping those people. Don't do it. If you have a smoking addiction, it's an addiction. It needs to go. We always tell people, I don't think you're gonna go to hell when you smoke, but you surely smell like hell when you come out of that place. So, leave it. Gabe had a most, the most, one of the most beautiful illustrations of the night, a feather, a stone, a stick. It's done. It's not you. It says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Your cigarette says smoking kills. It's not God. My dad smoked for 36 years, I think, and I would lay my hands on the cigarette go, in Jesus' name, bitter cigarettes, bitter cigarettes, bitter cigarettes. And then he'll go, that thing is, but I'm still going to smoke. Then one day he just stopped smoking. I think it's now four and a half years since he smoked a cigarette. Just, I said, what happened? He says, no, I couldn't take it anymore. It's too bitter. <laughs> anyway, so, so I rolled down that window at that school. You remember that story? Rolled down the window at the school, and I said, hey, ma'am, just want to let you know Jesus loves you, and her jaw dropped. She said, my life's a mess. I said, I know, I know. <laughs> but Jesus loves you in the mess. And she said, I literally last night, I went into my room on the carpet, and I said, if there's a God, and if he loves me, then let him tell me that tomorrow, otherwise I'm going to kill myself. Ma'am, he so loves you. 
you're worth it. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And I leaned out of the window halfway. And I'm like, Jesus, I love it. And I prayed for her. And then one of the, our team members that was in the car in front of us got out and he took a picture of me just leaning out of the window. And like most of my testimonies that I actually know that will impact someone, I posted on Instagram or Facebook. Like I almost said, like if you go there, there you'll find pictures of me and Nadia and testimonies. There's hardly something else. And most of the pictures of me and Nadia would have testimonies connected to that. Like every day is a testimony. And I think that picture went on my, on my Facebook page. I think 2,000 something people liked it. And there was a... I don't know how many comments in the section, but I went through the comment section. Likes not something. Likes people just like a picture. But when I went through the comment section, there was literally comments going, "I wish someone would tell me that Jesus loves me." Like the world wants two things: to be loved and to be accepted. They want to know. I've been in meetings where I give a word for someone here, a spot-on prophetic word, and then someone else will come. What about me? People want to know what God has to say about them. And we know what God says about us if we don't get that accurate word. But the most accurate prophetic word that you can ever give someone is Jesus loves you. Can't go wrong with that one. That's an accurate word. Jesus loves you, ma'am. And I had people that was effing Jesus. And I'm, he loves you, still loves you. We went up. <laughs> I'm sorry, i got to tell this word. Dang. Jesus. Amu. Man, we've got to keep in time. I have 12 minutes and we're going to pray. We were in a, I did a, a weekend with Ernie Amos, Joe Black, Henrique uh, and Anya and some other friends of mine in Boxburg. They invited me to come and Nadia came. We were still friends. And afterwards, and Clarissa, they're getting married today. And um, we were still friends. And afterward, we went to McDonald's to get something to eat. Now we're sitting in the McDonald's. Everyone's getting something to eat. And all of a sudden, this drunk guy comes in. Like walking like this. But first he and, and a girlfriend came in and they were running to the place where the children play in McDonald's. Like the, and the door was locked. And then he turns around. I go, hey man, Jesus loves you. And he turns around. And in Afrikaans he said, yo, be a leaf for me. Like the ugly word. And I said, no man, more than that. And he's like, <laughs> and, and he turns around and he says, yeah, yeah, who are you guys? Who are you guys? And we, we love Jesus, and he loves you, and I kept on speaking into his life, and then he looked at me, and he looked at everyone at the table, and he goes, nah, bro, you're effing angels. And I said, I mean, we just love Jesus, and he literally goes down on his knees, and he says, I need to give my life, like, out of nowhere, just, I need to give my life to Jesus. And then he's, the friend that was with him, the girlfriend, was, they were chatting to Nadia and Clarice, and then she ran out of the place, comes back with her, all of her girlfriends to chat to them. And without them even speaking, they just start repenting of their sin. Just repenting, repenting, repenting. And then this dude get, gives his life to Jesus, gets off of the floor, and he goes, where do you live? I said, in Uppington, is, I'm coming with you. <laughs> I said, you know, you're not going to come with me. I travel a lot. I'll walk wherever you go. <laughs> And then two, two other drunk guys come in, and they go to the bathroom, and I go, hey, Jesus just saved your life. Go tell them. And he goes, I'm going to go tell them. And he walks in, and he come, he's in there for a long time. He comes out. He says, they don't want to hear anything about Jesus. 
But he just came down. And I'm like, what the heck, Jesus? And even in the midst of all that chaos, God wants to touch people. Like he really wants to touch people. So let me end off with this story. And I really got to be done. When I was at School of Evangelism, I heard a story that changed my life. I had never heard someone tell a story like that and had me crying and weeping and crying and weeping throughout the day. And I've never forgotten the story. There's a guy named Reggie Dabbs in America. Um, and I, I've come to love all of his stuff. He preaches in schools. I think he reaches over 2 million people in schools in a year. And he told a story about... Um, about this uh, war that was going on in Vietnam very, very many, many years ago. And uh, it was a crazy war. And this one day, it was just battlefield was beyond crazy. And uh, there was this hospital that people were in. And this one day, with all of the wounded soldiers coming in, people in the hospital working in hot nurses and doctors were literally, literally ankle deep in blood in the hospital because of all the wounded soldiers. So they had a, a system that worked for them in that hospitals during that time. So people would come in with wounded soldiers, a doctor, there would be a doctor and a nurse, and the nurse would have a, a bucket with three different color stickers or um, like just, you know, let's call it a sticker. Um, there would be red ones, there would be green ones, and there would be blue ones. And the green one, if you have a green sticker on you and you were a wounded soldier, the green would mean you're okay, you can wait. The blue one would mean you're in danger, you need help immediately. And the red one would mean nothing will happen, we can't help you, sorry, and they would give you morphine and then you would just die. So, because they had to circulate all these people. So the doctor would literally go, there would be an aisle full of wounded soldiers and the doctor would exam and then would go, red, Red tag, green tag, blue tag, whatever the tag might be. And then the nurse would come and give the tag. And then the next examination, the nurse would come and give a tag. And then she comes to this one place. Guy got really badly wounded. And the doctor examined him. And then he said, red tag. And he would go on to the next person. And as the nurse took out the red tag to put it on him, he opened up his eyes. He grabbed the nurse by her chest, pulled her down. And he said, I have two beautiful girls and I have a wife I want you to tell them that I love them I want you to tell my girls that I love them tell them that daddy tried daddy tried and daddy's sorry I'm sorry that I didn't spend time at home I'm sorry I'm sorry about it and he just starts you know giving his will to this nurse and the nurse starts weeping because the this soldier is crying out to tell my girls daddy loves them and daddy's sorry and daddy daddy wished it could have been better and daddy Daddy, so I love you. Tell my wife I love her. Tell I'm sorry for not being there for them. And he just keeps on going on. And she starts crying out for him. And she takes off the red tag and gives him a blue one. And she goes on. A few months later, it was a bit more quiet. They would hear a bunch of choppers come their way. And a lot of army vehicles. And they were police vehicles and blue lights and all that stuff happens. And all of a sudden, a... Head, I don't know what they even call these people in the army, but let's call him a general. He was just like the head of the army came in and uh, everybody was escorting them and they had everyone in the hospital to come gather in one place because this head of the army wanted to talk to these people. 
And the head of the army walked into the place and he said, a couple of months ago, there was a man here, a soldier, that uh, was desperately hit in battle and got really hurt. And someone in this room was supposed to give him a red tag and they didn't. They gave him a blue one. Who was it? And the room went quiet. And this one lady said by herself, I better take the blame for myself because one of my nurses put on the wrong tag. And as she wanted to step to the front, the lady that changed the tag pushed her back. She said, no, it was me. And she stepped up and said, sir, I'm so sorry. It was me. And I'm sorry. And the general took off his hat and he went on his knees and he grabbed that nurse by and he starts weeping. He said, don't you know what you did? Don't you know what you did? That boy there was my son. It was my son. Don't you know what you did? He has two beautiful daughters. He has a beautiful wife. His whole life was ahead of him. That was my son. Don't you know? And she said, oh, sir, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, no, because of you. He's alive today and at home with his children and his wife. It is because of you that changed the tag that my son is alive today and I want to thank you. And then Reggie said, don't you know that that's you today? There's a bunch of people walking around on the earth with a bunch of red tags on them. Damned, no hope, no life, no nothing. And we have the bucket with the blue tags. And they say, you need urgent help. I know the doctor, they can. I'm going to take off the red tag and give you a blue one. Don't you know that you're the person with that bucket that can introduce the person desperately in need to the doctor that can help them? Today, as you leave this church building, don't leave what you hear on the inside. You need to go out with that bucket, going, there's people with red tags, and I want to change it. It doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have to be a debate. It just has to be, hey, Jesus loves you, ma'am. just want to pray for you. There's eternal damnation because of sin, but Jesus came to rip that sin away from us and give you power. The Holy Spirit himself, God himself, that God could have chosen to stay any place in the world, but he chose you. He loved you. You're the most beautiful place to stay in. That he who was without sin became sin so that we can become sons and daughters of God, so we can become the righteousness of God, so that we can stand in front of God and look exactly like Jesus. That he wants to take it away from you if only you would believe it. Only you would believe it. Since I have three minutes left, my mom and dad had a, two uh, rooms at the house, guest rooms at the house, and there would be a Russian guy, Victor was his name, that would literally pay in three months in advance for whenever he comes to Uppington, he would stay there. But Victor drank every night, every night of his life. When he was there, he got drunk. And I went to the Ukraine in 2015, so I picked up a little bit of the words there. And when Victor, when I came home and Victor came to our house one night, I heard him. And I went out and I went, Privet Kagdiela Victor, which means, hello Victor, how are you? And he said, hey, you speak Russian? I said, yes. He said, what did you, where did you learn? I said, I went to the Ukraine. 
said, oh, why did you do that? I said, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, man. He said, oh, that's a myth. And I said, man, it's not a myth. Jesus is real. Saved my life. And then Victor talked a little bit and I got a word of knowledge for his dad. I said, what happened between you and your dad, Victor? And he said, my dad's dead. I said, I know. But um, what happened? Because something's not right with you too. He said, yeah, we didn't have a good relationship, but anyone could have told you that. I said, no, man, Jesus just told me that. But let me know if Jesus is not real to you, let me pray for you and then you decide if he's real or not. And Victor stretched out his hand and as I wanted to pray for him, he pulled it back, went into his room and got drunk that evening. Two weeks later, I was in Cape Town. My mom calls me. She says, listen, something weird happened at our house last night. Victor came to his room. The door went open, then closed again. He's gone. We couldn't find him. The toilet bag is still on the bed. And I said, well, we pray for that, Jesus, that you'd find Victor. And I had a friend that worked in a rental company and he gave me a call. He said, man, we found Victor. I said, praise God. Where is he? He said, I'll send you some pictures. He sends me a picture, two pictures of a car that was split in two, rolled up in two balls. Couldn't even say what kind of car that was. He said, Victor was in an accident last night. I said, where's Victor? He said, well, we found Victor in two pieces as well. Split in half. One on that side of the road and one on the other side of the road. And I started weeping. Because when I presented the gospel to, to Victor, he said, I have a good life and a good wife. I make good money. I'm good. Two weeks before that. And you know, when I presented the gospel, my dad said, I don't think it's a good time to talk about this. I said, this is the perfect time to talk about it. Because if I don't, who will? You know how many people I encounter and I ask them, have you ever heard the gospel? Have anyone ever told you about Jesus? And they would be 24, 30, 36 years old. Nothing. I had a guy recently 40 years old come to Jesus. He came to my house. He said, why did I have to wait 39 years and 11 months for this? Why didn't nobody tell me? Why did I have to wait for this? I have the best life now. You know, there's many victors in the earth today. But you need to tell someone about it. And you might be a victor here tonight or this morning that has have heard the gospel, but you haven't said yes completely to it. And we don't know what's going to happen with your life. So I just in this moment, either you're a victor that has never said yes to the gospel, or you're the one that, that's going to go preach to their victor that's never said yes to the gospel. Or you're one of those that that knows that that sin in your life that's still so active needs to die today. The Bible says that when sin conceives, it grows, it gives birth, it grows and then it brings forth death. Don't let that sin grow, don't feed it anymore. If you're here and you say, I'm going to be a representative of the gospel, but I need to get this, I need to get this out of my life, this might be you. If you're here and you say, I need to tell someone about Jesus today, man. I need, I need an importation of boldness. I need, I need that. Or you're that, that victor that needs to say yes to Jesus. Whichever one you are, I want you to stand up on your feet, if that's you.
If you're the victor that needs to say yes to Jesus, but you haven't completely given your life to Him, you've been in church, you've done, maybe you've done the church thing, but you know that you know that you've never been born again, you've never been filled with the Spirit, you've never said completely yes to Jesus, but today is the day. You might be a visitor in this church, like I am, and you need a place that you can call home. I want you to quickly just raise your hands. I want to see you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, but today is the day you give your life to Jesus. Just raise your hand. Everybody's good. If you're just a visitor in church, but you need a place that you, need, that you can call home, just raise your hand. Even if you don't stand now. Is everybody okay? Awesome. So I assume you guys are the people that say, I'm going for the victor. I'm going for the lady in the car. I'm going for the, I'm going for the, the one. I'm going to be a tag changer today. If you're saying, I'm going to be a tag changer today, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to be a tag changer. And if you say, dang, I don't think I'm that bold, please raise your hand. I want to see you. If you don't think you're that bold, that you can speak to anyone, anywhere, I want to tell you something in Proverbs 28.1. The Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion. Are you a righteous one? Yes. Then be bold. You don't have to argue with that one. I just want to stand here. I'm not as tall as Gabriel. If you're a righteous one, you need to be bold. Be bold for Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 that the Holy Spirit will come. The power will come upon you to be a witness. And as he talked about it last night. You become a witness to Jesus in Samaria, Judea, and uh, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. Who of you know that George is the end of the earth to some people? This is the place that you need to be bold for Jesus. There's many of you guys in this place that say, yeah, but you don't know my situation, yeah, but you don't know what I'm struggling with, yeah, but you don't know my family, yeah, but this and that and the other thing. Forget about it. You represent Jesus well and your family will come in. I promise you, my brother was an atheist. He's a worship leader today. And every time he'd come drunk home and I'd say, hey, bro, let me pray for you. And he'll weep and I'll pray for him. And then he'll just chase me out of the room. I hate you, God. God's dead. But Jesus loves you, man. The Bible says the whole world is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Everything in the earth is waiting for you to manifest Jesus. And if we don't, then the Bible says, even the rocks will cry out in our place. Now the rock going to cry out in my place. Like, I'm going, hey rock, you just do what you need to do and lay there. I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. Don't let a rock take your place. Be a witness. That's why you're here. You want to become a witness. So close your eyes, lift up your hands, I'm going to pray for boldness.